is A-M-E-M, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General. Cigar While watching the Democrat debates this past week, Bernard Sanders, and you know I love to do my Bernard Sanders, my Bernie Sanders impression. When Bernard was talking about free this and free that, free health care for everybody, I thought about it, wait a minute. What about free cigars, free libations, free meat for everybody? And I could just see Bernard Sanders sitting there espousing that during the debate. I will bring free cigars, free grilling, free meat products, free spirits, free beer to every alpha male in the country. And then he would be interrupted by one of the other Democratic candidates saying, Bernie, that's not realistic. It's going to cost a fortune. Excuse me. I you I know I am right because I smoked the damn cigar, I drank the, the right drink, and I grilled the damn steak. So enough. We're going to have free steaks, free cigars, free libations for everybody, and that's the way it is. Everybody gets a free cow that they can raise on their property, and then they can go ahead and whack the cow and put it on the grill. Problem solved. The great Bernard Sanders. While watching that, that's all I thought about was I'm going to be able to do my Bernard Sanders impression as we begin Alpha Male Pleasure Maneuvers on this week's show. We are jammed. I am looking at my sprawling, massive desks here at Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. I've got stuff all over the place. I've got to, t- well, I got to tell you about a little guest I had in my grill. I had a little friend in my grill a couple of days ago, which I will tell you about. I'm looking at the brand new Acid limited edition water tower and as you open up the top of the water tower wait let me pull out there is the acid limited edition 20th anniversary cigar just got this two days ago so it's on my desk we'll share some pictures of that i gotta tell you about a straw incident at a local restaurant plus a little bizarre question one of the managers came around while i was dining with a uh, senior cigar manufacturing executive Also, we've got some birthdays we will recognize. I've got 18 different stories about Boeing that have been collecting in the last, I don't know, three, four weeks. We've been so jammed with other items, but I'm going to get to that. Our good friends over at Gillette, the worst a man can get, $8 billion write-down of Gillette. Business in the dump. And we led the boycott of Gillette. Transitioning to Schick. Hashtag Schick for me. Hashtag Screw Gillette. We will get to that. Much more coming your way. But as always, I extend to you my long-ash greetings and salutations. A long-ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the enemies of straws. Screw the enemies of 
capitalism. I'm done with these socialists. Just about enough. As always, don't forget CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. You can follow me at Twitter at CigarDaveShow and all of our other social media feeds. All right. Two nights ago, I go to light my grill, go to open up the grill. I've got a beautiful ribeye. No, not ribeye. I was going to make veal. Veal. No, it was uh, veal was the night before. Ribeye. Going to make a nice ribeye. Not a big ribeye, maybe about a 10-ounce ribeye for dinner. It's about 7 o'clock. I'm on the phone with Cigar Sister Lynn. I open up the grill, the hood to my 42-inch Viking that I just had, as I told you last week. New burners in there. It is like a, it's 15 years old, but it's like a brand-new grill. Massive amounts of fire and BTUs, British thermal units. Massive amounts of heat. Using my grill grates. I can grill it, then reverse sear it. Delicious. We sent out pictures of it. Phenomenal. I open up the lid to my grill. And out comes a furry little friend, about a nine-inch rat, comes running out of my grill. And I immediately exclaimed, holy shiatsu. Not exactly saying shiatsu. And I tell Lynn exactly what happened. And I see this thing running, and I had noticed the day before what I thought were little rat droppings behind the grill. It's built in an island, and I said, hmm, something looks a little suspicious. Now, there is a house that is under construction that has been under construction for well over a year and a half, going on two years in September, uh, near my pleasure palace. And about a year and a half ago, Never had any rodent problems, never had any rat issues, never. All of a sudden, in the garage, I see my canine companion and security detail, Sultan's Dog Food, a new bag that I had just received. I noticed that somebody started to chew through it. Hmm. So I tape it up, I lift it up, figuring, okay, well, maybe, who knows, maybe it's something on the ground. Boom. Next day, same thing. Then I had to enact Operation Vermin Countermeasures. So what I did was I took these little traps. I got these traps, these Victor traps, didn't do the job. So I got the ultra deluxe one that have a nice big trigger pad. You put the food on there. And I read it said, make sure you put the traps along the wall. So I put a couple of traps and I used, I figured if the rats like dog food, they like Sultan's Blue Buffalo. Why not take a few more morsels of those? And I'll, you know, basically lead a little trail, put some, lay a few traps First day, nothing. It gets the food, but doesn't go near the trap. Hmm. So what I said is, all right, I'm going to take the long ball game here. I undid the traps, and I put food right on the traps, getting them nice and comfortable, getting the rats, the vermin, nice and comfortable, comfortable, so that basically they would say, oh, this is a safe area. We can go up, get our food, no problem. I did that for two nights, and every morning I wake up, go in the garage, Food is gone. The third night, I set the trap. Set the trap. And I said, oh, I'm going to get those little varmin. I'm going to get those little critters. So I set the trap. I get up the next morning. Go to look. Success. The rat was executed. And I figured, okay, good, no problem. We should have that under control. And then somebody, a friend says, listen, if there's one rat, chances are there's a couple others. So you got to reset the trap. You need to reset those traps because the reality is you probably got more than one. 
Okay, fine. And I think what happened was I had my garage door open for, I don't know, maybe about an hour, and they must have gotten in that way. But I've also heard they can get in as just a little sliver area. But I think my, my garage was open, and that's how they got in. Anyway, I reset the traps. The next morning, come back out again. Bam! Another perfect kill. Another perfect execution. By the way, if any of you are from PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals, not my PETA, people eating tasty animals, but I'm not going to eat any vermin or rodents. If you have a problem with me whacking rats or rodents, screw yourselves. I could care less. We're not politically correct on the Cigar Dave Show. And I've got another story about some political correctness with Mario Lopez that I will get to a little bit later on. He, he makes a comment about something he believes in and then gets just eviscerated by the media, by the libs, by anybody that disagrees with him. Because in the United States today, it seems that unless you hold the opinions of the far left, then your opinion means nothing and you will get excoriated. I could care less because I am an alpha with nads of steel, titanium nads of steel, and don't give a, pardon the pun, a rat's ass or give a damn about what the enemies of pleasure or the PC movement has to think. Going back to my rat story, I get the second one. I reload the trap thinking, okay, there could be a few more. Nothing. And for months it was like that. So we're going to post pictures. And Sergeant Steve, I've been telling you that I've got to say this, uh, talk about this rat story for what, like the last year, year and a half? It's been about a year and a half. And every time, what do we say? We're jammed. We can't get to it. Well, you just did. I just did because I had another rat issue. But again, imagine my surprise. I lift up the lid to my my grill and I see this thing coming out of there so what did I do well first of all I took some special spray and scrubbed it down but then I fired up the grill on had every burner on high for about an hour and 10 minutes and it got to those those grill grates were getting up to about 800 degrees 900 degrees so it was very very hot and that I figured would take care of everything and then I resprayed it again and uh, that was the end of that but so, two nights ago, I see that I've got a little rodent problem, and clearly it's right by the grill. Now, I kept the lid to the grill up. I didn't want him squeaking, you know, residing in there. So I took a few more little pieces of blue buffalo, uh, Baron and Sultan's kibble, like two or three, just to put it behind where the grill is and see what happens. Sure enough. This was, I had the lights on. This was probably about, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. Go back out maybe 20 minutes later, the kibble is gone. Ah, now this general has identified where the enemy is residing. So I know now where the field of operations, the theater of operations, the military theater of operations, where the battle must be fought. So I go out and bring a few of those victor traps out. Actually, I brought one out. I set the trap perfectly put it against the back wall island where my grill is located i'm inside and about a half an hour later i hear thinking ah i got the little critter i look out the trap is flipped over the bait is gone the vermin escaped i reload figuring okay one more time do the whole thing again but this time I'm going to adjust the trigger pad so it's ultra, ultra sensitive. I adjust the trigger pad. I lay the food 
around the trap, a couple morsels around, couple on each side of the trap, on the trigger pad. It worked for me the last time I had to get rid of the two rats. Do it again this time. I come out an hour later. The trap has released. It went off. The food is gone. I think this rat is so big that a regular rat trap is not going to work. He just sits up there and gets the food but doesn't have to step on it. Well, now I have purchased the latest in rat elimination technology, the rat zapper. So what I will do is with this rat zapper, what I did was the first night, all I did is I put it out there, uses four D-cell batteries, and it looks like uh, almost like the... Like a mailbox you see out by the the road. It's kind of curved. They go into it, and when they hit the pad inside, electrifies them like 7,000 volts. It's beautiful. I mean, it's it's like the electric chair for rats and vermin. So what I did the first night, I read the instruction, and it says, leave it out. Put a couple of little, it comes actually with some dog kibble, but I used the blue buffalo I had. Leave a few kibbles out. Put one right at the entrance to the little rat zapper their new home, and then put another one intermediate and a couple in back. Get them used to it. Start screwing with their heads. Get them used to it. Get them feeling comfortable about going into the rad zapper. Yeah, no problem. They look and say, hey, it's safe. Now tonight, we're going to turn on the rat zapper. We will go into rat execution mode tonight. So I will give you a full report next week with pictures I'm even gonna. I'm thinking about maybe getting one of those little infrared GoPro cameras and actually watching the thing, you know, go in and just get zapped by 7,000 volts. And by the way, speaking of YouTube, you know, speaking of videos, there is a guy uh, that is a content provider on YouTube. I forgot to mention this, Sergeant Steve. I was going to tell you about this before we commence broadcast operations. I was going to tell you about this. There is a gentleman on YouTube, a content creator, uh, and let me see, by the name of Sean Woods. He has 1.1 million subscribers. He lives uh, in a rural area, and he posts pictures. He's like a, uh, a vermin trapping enthusiast. So he shows antique rat traps. He shows new technology rat traps. He has ultra like uh, um, night video where you can actually see the rats going in and boom, getting whacked and watching them, you know, basically get executed. It's a beautiful thing. It's very entertaining. I watched it. It's like I couldn't stop watching it a year and a half ago. I go on to see what should I be doing. You can't stop watching this. There's something beautiful about watching a rat get whacked. I just can't get enough of it. It's like watching a terrorist get whacked. You just can't get enough. Well, it turns out I go to do a search in YouTube and I can't find his videos. So I go back and I remember what I had a video that I had saved and I go into it. He does a video, a recent video, actually the end of June, that Vimeo terminated his account, that YouTube is censoring his content because he got a warning from both Vimeo and YouTube that animal cruelty uh, is not permitted. Well, excuse me, the way that I'm whacking the rats and the way that this Sean Woods whacks the rats is humane. It's instant kill. In fact, he talks about why you shouldn't use glue strips and those glue pads because they suffer for a long period of time.
Basically, when the rat hits the trap, the bar, the kill bar comes down, it whacks him instantaneously. Boom, done, clean kill. But YouTube now, which is censoring everything, they're censoring cigars, they're censoring spirits, they're, cen- they're censoring certainly political speech. They're now censoring, showing how to kill rats and mice and other vermin because I guarantee you some ultra-leftist pedo wackadoodle who works at YouTube or Google saying, oh, this, this violates our terms of service because this is animal cruelty. No, it's not animal cruelty. And by the way, rats do spread disease and germs and other, just other, just they spew nonsense, stuff you don't want. You don't want to, you don't want to have a rat nearby. You don't want the rat droppings. We've seen it. We've seen it. I think there was some, um, some disease people were getting out of New Mexico. They identified it to rat droppings. You want to eliminate the rats. But YouTube now censoring, what is going on? Silicon Valley now is censoring speech. They're censoring political speech. They're censoring cigar speech, spirit speech. They're censoring now eliminating vermin speech. Enough's enough. But I will post this. We probably won't post it on YouTube. We'll just post it at CigarDave.com and on our social media feeds. But I will show you this, uh, the end result when the rat gets whacked. And the cool thing about this, they go in, they get zapped. You don't have to touch the rat. You just tilt the thing, put it into a bag, bing, bang, boom, and you throw it out. And all you do is hit the button again. You put some some more uh, uh, dog kibble in the trap. You just throw it at the back of the trap, hit the on button, another rat goes in, done. 7,000 volts. So that is my rat story. It goes back a year and a half ago. So we will let you know how Operation Rat Execution goes this weekend. I certainly went longer on the rat story than I wanted to. But nonetheless, if you get a rat, you get any sort of vermin, they're out there. You have, as an alpha, you have to know how to handle these situations. And I have to tell you, I, when I first whacked these two rats, they thought they were going to outsmart this five-star general. They thought they were smarter than me. That was not going to happen. I was patient. I waited those little rat bastards out. I got them comfortable, nice and cushy, like a living room. Please come in, Mr. Rat. Help yourself. Have a little kibble. Go ahead, rest on top of the rat trap. Nothing to worry about. And then once I gave them a false sense of security, my operation went into full-blown military execution mode. Bam! The rats are gone. This week... A couple of days ago, what was it, Wednesday? Go out to lunch. Well, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. Go out to lunch to, with one of the well-known cigar executives in the world of cigars. And we go to Seasons 52. So we are having a nice lunch, catching up on some things. Just got back from some recent travel. He's catching me up on what's going on. Some confidential insider information on what they've got planned, which I'm not authorized to release at this time. So while we're having lunch, I order, he orders an iced tea and I order lemon water. And I look around and I'm like, wait a minute, there's no straws. And then I got thinking, ah, season's 52. They're succumbing to the 
environmental correctness movement by not offering straws unless you ask. So I said to the cigar executive I was with, do you want a straw? He said, sure, absolutely. So one drink for him, one drink for me, two straws. So when the waitress came over, I said, do me a favor. I see there's no straw. She said, yeah, it's by request. I said, okay, I'm requesting. Bring a half dozen straws, please. She looked at me and said, half dozen? I said, yeah, because I want to piss off the environmentalists. And it irks me that you, Seasons 52 does not bring, and Darden does not advocate bringing straws anymore. So give me six. I got six. I opened every damn one of them, drank from maybe, I don't know, a quarter of the, uh, the water from one, another, and then I left them to throw out. Hopefully increase the, the uh, waste, the non-recyclable waste. But the reality is most of the straws that they're using now, even some of these plastic, are indeed recyclable. So that was the first thing. Then as we are getting, we're wrapping up, we're having our espresso, the floor manager comes over and said, my name is so-and-so, I'm the floor manager today. Um, just seeing how everything was. I said, everything was fantastic, except the, not bringing straws. And he laughed. He said, what brings you in today? And I looked at him and I said, lunch. That's what brings us in. Now, I understand you want to be friendly and you want to get into conversation with the guests. And clearly, Seasons 52 or Darden, this is a corporate issue because the waitress tried to get very, or the server tried to get very, very chummy with us. Oh, so how's your week going for you? You know, like as she's bringing us the food. Oh, you going back to your office? Do you have a busy rest of the week? Well, first of all, I appreciate trying to be kind, but I don't really need to go into what my business is. I'm in the middle of a business lunch. So my response to her was, being a smart-ass, sarcastic individual that I am, I said, no, we don't have to go back to work. We are independently wealthy. We are going to go back to the beach this afternoon, smoke cigars, and sip pina coladas all day and all week. Dead stone silence from our server. She was very good. She was lovely. But please, don't get that chummy. Just give me the food. Be nice. And that was the end of that. We'll continue around the corner. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Capa del Sol. Spanish to English, that means wrapper of the sun. And I have just pulled out from my vast cigar collection within my massive humidor here at Command Center Alpha, the Ipicario. Capa del Sol by Ernesto Perez Carrillo. This is part of their Elite Series. Delicious cigar. When I was at the Premium Cigar Association convention the end of June, spent some time with Ernesto at their big booth. And he had a whole bunch of samples. And I said, Ernesto, I'm going to help myself. He's a general. You do anyway. Go ahead. So I took a whole bunch of Capa del Sol, some of their dusk, just a whole variety, and the Capa del Sol is a magnificent cigar. Just uses a beautiful tan Ecuadorian wrapper. Just absolutely, ah, oh, the smell on this thing is just absolutely spectacular. Ecuadorian sun-grown wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. It is made at Ernesto Perez Carillo's factory in the Dominican Republic called Tabacalera. La Alianza. It comes in four sizes. A Robusto Royal, the Exclusivo 6x54, a 5 and 3 quarter inch by 52 Pyramid, and the Sultan 6x60 Magnum size. Big cigar. And I told Ernesto, you named that after my canine, my senior canine companion, who's going to be 14 in October, Sultan. He said, General, We'd be happy to say that. So the Ipicario Capa del Sol Sultan is what I have pulled out. Giant ring gauge size cigar, just over an inch in diameter, six inches in length. Beautiful looking cigar. Now, one thing I will tell you, the aroma, just smelling this cigar before even light it is fantastic. It's medium to full bodied. The Magnum, which is six by 60, you are looking at just around $9. Very nice cigar. So these cigars are priced in the $8 to $10 category. Very, very nice. I've had one, let's see, what's today? Saturday, I had one last uh, Sunday or Monday. Just nice shades, nice notes of cashews, just a little spiciness, a little bit of, of uh, clove, very, very pleasant. Cannot wait to get to this. Now, I should say also, that in addition to the cigar that I have in my hand, this Ipicario Capa del Sol in microphone position number two today, we have a cigar in an ashtray that will not go smoke today in the memory of Frank Papa, a fellow Buffalonian who uh, I have known for a long time and worked for his son, his late son, Gary, who is the Sports director at WPVI Channel 6 ABC in Philadelphia. Before that, 
He was the weekend sports anchor at WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. His other son, Greg, the longtime voice of the Oakland Raiders, and now the voice of the San Francisco 49ers, took me under his wing at Syracuse University. Uh, I was a freshman. He was a senior and took me under his wing, gave me some good guidance. But Frank was the chairman of the board of NFA, the National Fire Adjustment Company, well-known insurance adjusting company known nationally. Was the chairman of the board up until two weeks ago, was still going in every day, passed away this past week at the age of 93, and want to send out condolences to his wife, Teresa, the entire Papa family. Frank was a mensch, real gentleman all the way, class individual, class gentleman. Knew my grandfather, Cigar Abe. I did not know that. And Frank's father knew my grandfather, Cigar Abe. I remember he told me that many, many years ago when I first met Frank. This has got to be when I was in high school, working for uh, Gary and working with Greg at WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. And he said, I know your grandfather, and my father knew your grandfather way, way back. And... uh, just a big loss. Frank was a wonderful gentleman. And again, our condolences to the Papa family. In fact, Colonel Ange, who not only is the colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations, but his day job. He ran the Buffalo office of National Fire Adjusters for many, many years. Been a, I think he told me, Colonel Ange this week told me, a 35-year or close to it employee of NFA. And, of course, said spoke nothing but... Uh, Highly great things about the legendary Frank Papa. So, Frank, rest in peace to the entire Papa family. Our condolences and in microphone position number two in his memory, the E.P. Cario Capa del Sol. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self sharpening double edged stainless steel guillotine ready for this massive Capa del Sol. Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus. I have my Mala from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories. Mala, make America lightate again. This is absolutely magnificent. Or should we do another one, say, keep America lightate? Maybe, you know, there's CAG, keep America great. We'll have Cal, keep America lightating. In fact, I will send, Sergeant Steve, send a note to the R&D guys. You know, the guys that wear the white lab coats, the pocket protectors that come up with these Lightation devices 24-7 to come up with a new model called the Cal. Keep America lightating. But this is the Mala Giant, big flame, huge tank, heavy feel, truly worthy of an alpha. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Man, one shot. That's all I needed. I will toast the foot of this Epicario Capa del Sol Sultan 6x60. Oh, man, the cigar, just before you even light it, smells fantastic. Beautiful, oily Ecuadorian wrapper. Nice tan in color, gently toasting the foot of this giant cigar. Taking our time. We do not want to be in rush. By the way, the music accompaniment today is the theme from Delta Force. Chuck Norris, what a great movie. They don't make movies like that anymore. Fantastic movie. You get a chance to watch it on Netflix. You can even watch it uh, on YouTube, although there's violence, so who knows? Maybe YouTube will censor that, too. They're censoring everything else. But great movie to watch. Fire up a cigar, have a cocktail, 
Watch Delta Force can't go wrong. All right, I'll puff and rotate this Ipicadio Capa del Sol. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Blow on the foot. Needs one little touch-up. All right. Mm, beautiful. Nice spiciness. Little cayenne pepper. Mm, medium, medium full, but smooth. Very, very smooth. Touch of sweetness. Can't go wrong. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, I need the proper accompaniment to this medium, medium full cigar. Sabadier Dave, about three, four years ago, brought me a bottle of monkey shoulder. And I said, monkey shoulder? What is monkey shoulder? And he said, General... It is made by the same people that make Glenfiddich, Balvini, your favorite, Tullamore Dew, William Grant and Son. He said, this is a new blended Scotch whiskey, reasonably priced, $30 for a bottle, 750 milliliter bottle. It's relatively on the mild to medium side. So that's exactly what I will enjoy today. But it's mild to medium, but it's got enough spiciness to pair nicely with this beautiful E.P. Carillo Capa del Sol. So as I swirl it around in my snifter, I'm getting some nice notes of honey. Definitely can smell the oak. I'll say cheers. Mm. Yeah, it's got some nice rich notes of vanilla. Almost some, mm, what I would say, a little malty toffee spiciness definitely getting some wood even some citrus on there as well so very very pleasant 30 bucks a bottle you cannot go wrong let me take another sip here mm. and you know so many people think of johnny walker shivas regal but this monkey shoulder is very very pleasant and i appreciate samadhi dave expanding my scotch whiskey palette portfolio all right, when we come back, we got to talk about Gillette. The worst a man can get. Gillette went after all of us alpha males. The consumers that loyally purchased their way overpriced razors for many, many years. They insulted us. They essentially stated through their advertising around the Super Bowl that all men were evil. We were all misogynists and sexual predators that degraded women and were nothing more than toxic masculine males. Well, the chickens have come home to roost, and when we come back, we'll tell you about Gillette and their parent company, Procter & Gamble. They had to take a little bit of a write-down on the purchase of Gillette. And I'm talking not millions, but as Bernard Sanders would say, not billions, we're talking billions, as the Cigar Dave show continues. Billions we're talking here. Billions with a B, as the general continues around the corner. The general is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the general now at Cigar Dave Show.
America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Cigar connoisseurs and enthusiasts love going into their retailer's humidor and seeing what's new, what's exciting. It's like a kid in a candy store. And we've got a great way that you can enjoy and sample fabulous cigars from incredible manufacturers. It's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Every month, you will receive three fantastic cigars in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch shipped directly to you for $22.95. Now, in the past year, we've had incredible selections. We had the world of Davidoff, which featured an Avo and a Davidoff Winston Churchill. We've had cigars from A.J. Fernandez, from Rocky Patel, from Placencia, Drew Estate, Sindicato, Fonseca. Incredible cigars that you will love. Become a member of the Officers Club today. Join now. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You will absolutely love it. USDA certified alpha male with zero trace of wussification. It's the General Cigar Cigar Dave. Dave. As I enjoy my Ipicario Capa del Sol, take a sip of my monkey shoulder. Mm. Blended Scotch whiskey, fantastic. Now, I am fully ready to address Gillette. The worst a man can get. Back around the Super Bowl. You will recall my absolute displeasure and hostility towards Gillette when they unleashed hostility towards the very consumers that have purchased their products for years and years. They're overpriced products, I must say. For years, every time Gillette would come out with a new razor technology, whether it was the Track 2, the Atra, the Mach 3, the Fusion, I would always buy it. I'm thinking, okay, great. It's state-of-the-art, got to have it. And every time, my blades would be more and more expensive. It was like, what, five, six bucks a blade on the last go-around? And then around Super Bowl, they unleashed this commercial. They released this commercial that basically blanketed the entire male species, the entire male gender, portray us all as being completely toxic, that every male, every one of their consumers exhibits massive amounts of toxic masculinity. 
that every one of us is misogynistic. Every one of us looks down on women, treats women poorly. Every one of us are disgusting male slob pigs. Nothing could be further from the truth. We know that as alphas, we treat our women with high esteem, high regard. We are polite. We are gentlemen. We open doors for women. When we go out uh, with our harem, or your harem of one, you go out to dinner, you pull the chair for her, you put the chair back in. We are polite. We are refined. We're not a bunch of, uh, uh, of, of cavemen cretons that basically drag a woman by the hair with their, their big club in their hand and say, woman, do this. But the way that Gillette in this commercial that they initially released online through YouTube and their social media feeds, portrayed men and boys to be completely rude, classless, mannerless, totally filled with toxic masculinity. And within the commercial, there's a couple of guys talking about, I don't know, seeing a woman, and they're like, oh, no, don't do that. And there's a couple of boys that are roughhousing. Boys, we don't do that. The entire commercial, if you're trying to sell razor blades... They did the exact opposite. And their brand manager, this millennial brand manager that they, they, they made great fanfare about that when he released this commercial, talked about it, saying, we wanted to advance the conversation. We wanted to, we knew it was going to be controversial. You didn't advance the conversation. What you did was advance the desecration and the demolition of the Gillette brand. And case in point, Procter & Gamble announces their last quarter earnings. They had a very successful run. All their brands, and they've got Tide, and they've got tons of brands, the soap brands. The only brand in their portfolio that was deep in red ink, awash in red ink, was Gillette. The same company that insulted its consumer base dramatically around the beginning of the year. Gillette suffered a loss of billions of dollars in the last quarter. Now, of course, as I learned from L. Richard Olicker, the dean of the School of Management at Syracuse University, when I was there, I was a dual major in the Newhouse School of Communications and the School of Management. And my senior year, took a course with him, started at 7 a.m. And believe it or not, there was a line to take a course with him, even in that early hour. No, most classes didn't start till 8.30. And he said, if you're going to be in the real business world, we meet twice a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. We go from 7 to 8.30. I'm the earliest class on campus. And if you don't like it, don't take my course. Loved him as a dean, loved him as a professor, loved his course. He was a no BS kind of guy. Sadly, he passed away um, relatively young. He was—he always looked older than he was because he had gray hair, white hair. He was probably in his mid-40s, late 40s when I had the class with him. But he passed away, I think, in his early 60s. But he was a just a great guy, a straight shooter. And what he proved to me was at the time, he would have everybody's name on a note card. So we would have to read something. There would be an assignment or he would bring up something and ask a question. And most of the times, it was a simple question. And so, so he would ask the question to somebody, he'd pull out the note card, and he'd say, 
All right, Robert Jones. So what do you think? What, uh, what should we do in this situation? And instead of just saying they should dump the product or they should uh, make a change in their market, whatever the case was, people would go on for long dissertations. And he would stop them a few minutes in and say, because you're filibust- filibustering, you are proving to me you know nothing about the topic. You're going in circles. Simplicity, remember that. So he would come to me, and he would pull my name out. He'd say, all right, what do you think? I would say, the marketing campaign is terrible. I would dump it immediately. And he would look, reply back, correct, exactly. One sentence answer. And I remember on his exams, he would give us these, you know, there would be no multiple choice. He would have three questions on his exams, and he had a rule. You remember those blue notebooks in college you would get, or even in high school? They were small, maybe, I don't know, 10 pages. He said, if you need more than one of these little notebooks to answer these three questions, you don't know the answer. And we get to the final exam, and I will never forget it. He asked three questions. We, there was a case study, and then three different questions. And we, there were, it was opinion-based, so there was no really right or wrong answer. But I remember I had maybe four or five sentences for each answer. That was it. And I'll never forget, I'm looking around the room, and I'm seeing people you know, going on the back of the notebook, and I'm thinking to myself, geez, I mean, I, I pretty much think this is what he... What, what the answer is, and I'm going to stand by it. I believed in my answer. I believed in myself. I was one of the first people out of there. We had, I think, an hour and a half for the exam. I was out of there in 30 minutes. And everybody's looking at me like, Dave, what are you, nuts? You know, gave it to him. Next thing I know, I get an A on the uh, term paper, A in his class. And on the last day, he said, what did I tell you all? Simplicity. You try to make things too complicated. He was a no-nonsense guy. So I digress on that a little bit. But Going back to Gillette, it was very simple. They created a marketing campaign that insulted every one of their customers, every one of their consumers. And the one thing that L. Richard Olicker, the dean, would always say is, whenever you see a public company come out and state their earnings, they would always say when it was good, due to the the, the foresight of the exceptional management capabilities of your company, we were able to adjust our model to create record revenues. But yet, when they would report a loss due to unforeseen market conditions that were out of our control, and due to this and that, they'd always come up with excuses. Well, what did Gillette say? They took an $8 billion write-down on the value of Gillette. Procter & Gamble wrote off $8 billion saying the value of the company is now worth $8 billion less than we paid. What did they say? Who did they blame? They said the loss was due to foreign exchange fluctuations, increased competition, and a contracting market for blades and razors as consumers in developed markets shave less frequently. Let's cut the BS right now. Just as my college dean, my management school dean would say, let's cut it. Here's the real answer. They screwed the pooch. They screwed and disgraced and mocked and insulted their consumers. That's why I have uh, uh, gone to Schick. And when we come back, I will rave about how Schick razors are great. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male. 
Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U.S.A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. Well, one of the items I have not gotten to, but it has been brewing and brewing and brewing for the last three weeks or so, is Boeing and the 737 MAX, or should we call it the 737 crap, because that's what that airplane is. I've got 18 different stories, different items about Boeing that I have not gotten to, but I'm going to get to it this half hour, because as an aviator and as somebody that you know always speaks the truth, Without any sugar coating, no bull whatsoever, Boeing has manufactured a garbage airplane, endangered the safety and well-being of their passengers, crews. I will get to that. That Boeing's in, in one whole heap of trouble. That 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 company almost is as bad as Gillette. And I'll continue finishing about Gillette right around the corner. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. As always, don't forget to follow me along social media. Go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media feeds. And very quickly, the Cigar Dave Officers Club. If you have not become a member, $22.95 per month, you get fantastic, three fantastic cigars shipped directly to you in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch. I will guarantee... You will absolutely love the varied selections that we send to you. You cannot go wrong. And in fact, the July, or hard to believe we're already in August. I mean, we're, I, I'm looking around now and I'm just thinking about it, that we are one month away from the start of the NFL, less than one month away from college football. We've got National Bourbon Heritage Month, September. We celebrate American whiskeys and bourbons the entire month. And we've got Cigar Oktoberfest in October. It is unbelievable. We are already, before you know it, it's going to be the Happy New Year Champagne Sparkling Wine tasting selection. But the July 2019 selection, the Agonorsa Leaf, from Agonorsa Leaf, the JFR Lunatic Habano, two of those, and the Agonorsa Leaf Habano getting rave reviews. We've got incredible selections scheduled for the upcoming year. So go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and you will get fantastic cigars shipped directly to you. Gillette, the worst a man can get. I want to finish up. Last hour, we talked about an $8 billion loss. And so what is Procter & Gamble? How do they... How do they couch an $8 billion loss? You don't just write down the value of a company, $8 billion, unless you believe that the long-term outlook of that company is disastrous. And that's exactly what Procter & Gamble believes, but they won't tell you that. What they said instead was they lost billions of dollars due to foreign exchange fluctuations increased competition, and a contracting market for blades and razors as consumers in developed markets shave less frequently. Let me translate and tell you what they should have just said and be truthful. 
We lost billions of dollars because of an absolutely ludicrous, stupid marketing advertising campaign in which we insulted our very own consumers. That's all they would have had to say, and people would have said, yep, that's about right. But instead, they come up with some BS corporate statement. So $8 billion loss with Gillette. Now, you will recall that around the end of January, early February, when Gillette came out with this insulting, toxic masculinity campaign, basically accusing every consumer, every male, every alpha male of being toxic, of treating women poorly, of being rude, of, of being just the uh, lowest form of life on the planet. I said, this will backfire on Gillette. And I immediately said, I have been a loyal Gillette consumer since the time I was in probably my senior year of high school. I've tried electric razors. I've got a very thick beard. I get 5 o'clock shadow at 2 in the afternoon. So I need a top-shelf blade razor. I can't use a Norelco or a Remington. If I do within an hour, the stubble just comes right back. doesn't work for me. Some people it does. They have lighter beards. I need a real safety razor or the, the type of razors that Gillette and Schick sell. And I have had every single Gillette product from a Track 2 to the Atra to the Mach 3 to the Turbo 5 to the Fuse, you name it. I've got them all. And they're expensive. Six bucks a blade. You get maybe a week out of it. Well, at the time, I said, I am done with Gillette. When Gillette came out with that advertising campaign insulting me and every other Gillette consumer, I voted with my wallet. And I said, I am done with Gillette. I went and found the Schick. I said, I'm going to give Schick a try. Now, Schick, you know, when you think of ketchup, what do you think? Sergeant Steve, when you think of ketchup, what do you think of? Heinz. Give me the first brand. What's the second brand? Hunt's. Third brand. Is there one? Yes, Del Monte, but you can't even think about it, or the store brands. The reality is, on the rung of marketing, there's usually two to three. When I tell you rental cars, first company comes to mind. Hertz. Right. Next one. Enterprise. I was going to say Avis, but after that? Avis would be my next one. Okay, so you, you have the rung of companies. It's called the marketing rung, and I remember we learned about that when I was a student at Syracuse University. Well, when you think of shaving, there's really only, for a long time, there were two. It was Gillette, and it was Schick. Now, the last number of years, we've seen Dollar Shave Club. We've seen Harry. So there has been a proliferation of competition. There is no doubt about it. And people were fed up with getting ripped off, paying six bucks a blade. So at the time, I said, I'm done with Gillette. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to try Schick's latest razor. Now, I didn't even know what the, the brand name of the Schick razor. That tells you the fact that I was such a loyal Gillette consumer. And for many years, I was happy. So I went out to the supermarket or the drugstore, whatever it was, and I said, all right, what's the latest? And I found out it was the Schick Hydro 5 Cents Hydrate. Five blades, and what makes it unique is that there is a special lubricating strip on the top. There's also another strip on the bottom which helps kind of uh, pull the, the, the whisker taut. And I also found out they've got a very unique system where 
as an edge trimmer, you flip up, you press on the top of the hydration lubricating strip, and it reveals the top blade or the, the set of blades. So you get very, very close around the nose, around the sideburns for any additional trimming. And I figured, you know what? I'm going to buy the starter razor, the, the razor, and I think it comes with two blades. I bought it. Didn't know what to expect. I was blown away. I was shocked. The price, far less than the Gillette, but the quality was far better. And again, when you think of razors, you think of Gillette. But Schick, the, the quality of that Schick Hydro 5 Sense, phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Sergeant Steve, you went out and you purchased the Schick Hydro 5 as well. What are your thoughts on that razor? Uh, it's I very, love it. I, I don't like having to pull the strip at the top back to get the, the, the close blades. I don't like that as well. But it, as far as the shave, it's it's comp- very comparable, if not the same, if not a little better. I, I, I think it is better. I'm getting a much smoother shave, less irritation. Uh, I just find the shave to be excellent. Now The blades have lasted longer for me. I haven't had they to do change last this quickly. I have had – what one of the, the guides I use is when you see the little white – uh, lubrication strip. There's little wells in the lubrication strip, mm-hmm. and when they turn from white to blue or white to green, depending on what the there's three different types of hydrate uh, 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 refills. That's usually a sign. Okay, it's probably time to get a new blade. Well, I've been using the same blade now for two weeks, and no cuts, no nicks. I'm probably tomorrow going to change it, but it does last longer. Now, here's the kicker, Sergeant Steve. The price. You and I were talking about maybe six weeks ago, and I don't know how we started talking about it, and you were telling me you were a member of Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, let me see how much they get on Sam's Club. And they had a deal where you get the handle, and you get, what, like 14 blades or yeah, 16 it was, it was blades? like 22 bucks or something like that. Right. And I'm not a member of Sam's Club, and I said, for that kind of money, just the blades alone? I mean, you're talking about just over 2 bucks a blade, and you get another handle. I said, buy it for me. I gave you my credit card. It's fantastic. Much lo- a much lower price. I don't miss Gillette at all. Now, here's the other thing. I was using Gillette shave cream. I had gotten away from using Edge, which I used for many years. So I switched to Barbasol, and I figured I'm not going to support Gillette on anything, including the shave cream. And they've made big inroads into the accessories area, the shave cream, the aftershave. So I started using Barbasol, and I ended up picking up a travel size of the edge which i'd used to use for many many years it goes back to when i was a student at syracuse university every year when you would check into the dorms they had a little kit they would give a man or a woman male or female the male kit had a small can of edge shaving cream it had the after aftershave lotion which i used for men and for many many years i don't anymore i just use some witch hazel afterwards and it had that like toothpaste and it had some other toiletries. They wanted to develop brand loyalty. And for years and years, I was loyal to Edge. I've gone back to using Edge. They have a deal with Schick. Fantastic. Close shaves, very smooth, no cuts, no irritation. So Gillette has screwed their very own consumer. No ifs, ands, or buts. So I am thrilled to report that the chickens have come home to roost for Gillette as Procter & Gamble took an $8 billion, as what Ad Sanders would say, Gillette treated, Gillette treated their consumers horribly, terribly. I demand Gillette apologize. 
I demand Gillette provide reparations for every single shaving connoisseur, shaving consumer, alpha male, reparations for treating their consumers horribly. Gillette deserves to take an $8 billion write-down, which they have done. Sergeant Steve brought this to my attention. As you know, originating the Cigar Dave Show from Tampa, the Cigar City, Ybor City, the historic cigar-making area of Tampa. Tampa is synonymous with cigars. Even though there's really only one cigar manufacturer, big cigar manufacturer, there's some smaller ones, but J.C. Newman, Tampa is always and will be known as the Cigar City. Everywhere you go, West Tampa, Ybor City, there are the remnants of the cigar industry, the architecture, the buildings, the factories. Many of them have been repurposed for office space or warehouse space or lofts, apartments, condos. Tampa has a love affair with cigars. When the Outback Bowl participants come to Tampa, they sign the contract, the two teams, the tradition is they get a box of cigars, a box of Tampa cigars. Now I think they get a box of Diamond Crown from J.C. Newman. It's a tradition. In fact, Barry Alvarez, the longtime head coach of the Nebraska, or correction, the uh, Wisconsin Badgers, for many years said, he was asked, what's his favorite bowl game? He said, that's easy, the Outback Bowl. They said, why? He said, well, it's a great bowl game. They treat you great, and you get a free box of cigars. Barry Alvarez, a big cigar connoisseur. So Tampa is known as the Cigar City. In the Emily Arena, where the Tampa Bay Lightning play, there is the Diamond Crown Lounge, a cigar-friendly lounge right in the arena. Nobody shies away from it. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays did when they did a retro uniform, the Tampa Bay Smokers, and they got rid of the cigar. There was a, a team way back known as the Tampa Bay Smokers. What did the Rays do for a retro flashback uh, jersey? They used the Tampa Bay Smokers jersey with the letters Smokers, but they eliminated the cigar. Revisionist history, and I talked about it at the time. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like many NFL teams, have a video production department where they want to show their players outside of training camp, outside of the game, outside of practice, outside of uh, football. They want to show the human side, if you will, to players, what they do in the community, how they enjoy their personal time. Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a video on, they took one of their players, took him to Ybor City, and they shot a video with him. Sergeant Steve, do you remember the name of the player? I, I'm looking at the story here, but I cannot remember the name of the player, uh, who it was that was uh, featured in this video. But essentially, they took him to Ybor City, and one of the stops, they showed him learning how to roll a cigar. And then he rolled the cigar, and of course, they joked about it because it didn't look like a great cigar. Great. It was a cool video. I looked at it. Sergeant Steve brought it to my attention. Well, there is a website called JoeBucksFan.com. Sergeant Steve, who's? Bo Allen. Thank you. Bo Allen. So there's a website called Joe Bucks Fan, and it is a reporter. I don't even know. Do we, Sergeant Steve, do we know who Joe Bucks fan is? Is there a name to the reporter? Uh, Steve Isbitz and Lee, uh, I can't remember his last name now. There's two guys that are the main guys. Okay, so basically they have this website, and they write articles, and I think they've got press credentials. And I, I go to their site, and they do a very nice job. But imagine my shock 
when I see this headline, which really was clickbait as far as I'm concerned, Buccaneers promote tobacco smoking. Buccaneers promote tobacco smoking. Now, when you think of Tampa, again, you think of cigars. And to me, Tampa is synonymous with cigars. The Cigar City, that name still holds true today. Tampa was a swamp town until Vicente Martinez Ebor came in the late 1800s and brought the cigar trade, cigar manufacturing business to Tampa, and it exploded and flourished. And Tampa is the city it is today because of tracing its roots back to the cigar industry. Now, when you think of tobacco smoking, I think of cigarettes. I don't think of cigars. And there's a big difference, as we know, between cigars and cigarettes. That is fact. You never see people running out off an airplane or outside of a building huddled around in snow or sleet or rain or storms trying to light up a cigar. Cigarettes, yes. Cigars, never. Why? Because we're not addicted to the nicotine. Cigars are not cigarettes. Cigars are not the vaping products where they are hooked on the nicotine. You smoke a cigar for the relaxation, for the pleasure, for the aroma, for the taste, not for the nicotine. Well, this article goes on. Big headline, Buccaneers promote tobacco smoking. Like I'm thinking, okay, this is going to talk about being involved with the cigarette industry or big tobacco. The article says, Joe has often said that no professional sports team writes a soap opera quite like our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No Hollywood screenwriter could craft this story. Only the Bucks is a phrase that too often fits, and it's rarely good. Fans are keenly aware of the team's head-scratching moves on the field and off, which includes the business side of things. Tonight, Joe is nodding in approval at the delicious irony that is the Bucks investing a good chunk of time and resources producing a video that features defensive tackle Bo Allen heading to Ybor City to learn how to make and smoke cigars. This is a Bucks team that happily collects millions of dollars in sponsorship from Advent Health and Florida Cancer Specialists and Research Institute. Yet there's Allen and members of the Buccaneers.com crew celebrating smoking. Brilliant exclamation point. Keep in mind, this is the same club that went tobacco-free at the Den of Desperation last year and talked about how proud they were to do it. Yes, Joe understands the historical significance of the cigar industry in Tampa, and Joe has no problem with smokers whatsoever. Light up all you want, but that's not the point here. Joe hates seeing the Bucks too often looking like the clown show of the NFL, and this video certainly fuels that image. The only clown show that I see related to the Buccaneers sending defensive tackle Bo Allen to Ybor City to learn how to roll cigar and smoke a cigar, the only clown is Joe Bucks fan that should be renamed JoeSchmucksFan.com. Because the two guys that run Joe Schmucks fan, they are a bunch of schmucks. This is a non-story. Talk about fake news. This is it. So what? Adventist Health or other hospital wants to go ahead and advertise or sponsor the team. Florida Cancer Specialist and Research Institute. Let me ask you, Joe Schmucks fan, do the Buccaneers sell beer and distilled spirits, alcohol, at Raymond James Stadium? The answer, you better believe it. Is alcohol a known carcinogen in excess? You better believe it. Now, people that I know that smoke cigars smoke in moderation. They do not smoke cigars like cigarettes or the vaping nonsense going on now. So if Joe Schmucks fan 
understands the historical significance of the cigar industry and has no problem, light up. Why are you even writing this dumbass story? It makes absolutely zero sense to me. Unless you want to spread fake news or create some sort of controversy that does not exist. Because it doesn't exist. I guarantee you people looked at that and said, well, that's an interesting video. Okay, you know, we see one of our players going out, rolling a cigar, smoking a cigar. If you live in Tampa for more than six seconds, you know the historical significance of cigars to Tampa. Joe Schmuck's fan admits it in his article. Yet what does he do? He denigrates the fact that the Buccaneers want to take one of their players on his spare time, go to Ybor City, which has tremendous historical significance, and be involved in, an, in something that has a tremendous importance to the area in which defensive tackle Bo Allen lives and works and in, in which Tampa Bay Buccaneers play their games. It's pretty simple. And to try to equate this with, oh, there's a mixed message because you're, you're sending Bo Allen to go and learn how to roll a cigar and smoke a cigar, but at the same time, you take money from a hospital and from a cancer and research institute and specialists. There's no controversy whatsoever, period. This is a joke. Now, I'm not a, Buc- a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I don't give a damn if the Bucks lose 16 games in a row. Why? Because I'm a loyal, diehard Buffalo Bills fan and always will be. I don't wish the Buccaneers ill, but I'm not a Buccaneers fan. But I keep up with the team. I read what's going on. And certainly when I read this article, Buccaneers promote tobacco smoking by Joe Schmucks fan, nothing could be further from the truth. The Buccaneers and their video production crew on their website celebrated the historical association of cigars in Tampa. They celebrated by sending one of their players who clearly wanted to go and clearly wanted to enjoy a cigar. So, Joe Schmucks fan, why don't you come out saying Buccaneers promote alcohol and alcoholism because they sell beer and spirits at the stadium. Dumbass Joe Schmucks fan. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. 
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Semper Paredes, always ready, the official march of the United States Coast Guard composed in 1927 by U.S. Coast Guard Captain Francis Saltus Van Boskirk. And the reason we're playing it today, tomorrow, the 229th anniversary of the founding of the United States Coast Guard, back 1790, so a happy 200. And 29th birthday to the United States Coast Guard, a very important and vital part of our homeland security and our armed forces. And today, Marv Levy, Hall of Fame head coach, longtime head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and before that, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Montreal Alouettes, the University of California, William & Mary, 94th birthday today. A very happy birthday to the great Marv Levy, a graduate of Harvard University with a master's of English literature. That is why when Marv would do press conferences or speak to the media or speak in front of any groups, he was always well-spoken, well-versed, could quote literature, history, the great Marv Levy. He has written several books. In fact, I had him as a guest on the show several times. And one of the books that he wrote after he retired, looking at his career, interesting uh, note about Marv. The time he was hired at University of California, he was the youngest head coach in the country at the time. And when he retired as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, he was the oldest football head coach at the time. But Marv wrote a book, and in it he talks about his Kansas City players uh, Kansas City Chiefs players giving him for his birthday, I believe, a humidor that was stocked with cigars and engraved with his name. So we brought that up. And Marv was a cigar connoisseur for many, many years. So happy birthday to the great Marv Levy. Boeing. I have spoken about the issues surrounding Boeing in a different way than anyone else in the media over the past number of months since this entire MCAS 737 MAX debacle uh, was discovered. I'm an aviator. I'm a pilot. I'm very proud to be an aviation historian, an aviation buff, an aviation enthusiast. I love flying. I'm still fascinated every time I get in the cockpit. And while I'm awaiting takeoff, watching other planes take off and land, I know the physics of why planes fly, the aerodynamics of why they take off, how they land, but it still fascinates me to this day. And I know that we have spent a significant amount of time on Boeing, but many of you are travelers. Many of you alphas are business people, professionals. You fly on a regular basis. And the 737 MAX, within the next decade, is going to be a very, well, I, I should preface that by saying the intention was for Boeing to manufacture this plane at least for the next decade with a very large order book. But I believe Boeing 
not only has a disastrous plane on their hands, it is going to be a disaster convincing the flying public that the 737 MAX or the 737 crap, as I like to refer to it, will ever be a safe airplane. So let me spend some time with you talking about Boeing, talking about the 737 MAX issues that have been cropping up over the last month. I've got 18 different stories and items about Boeing I'm going to get to, and I'm going to do so in the remaining 20 minutes or so of the show. Now, as an aviator, as a pilot, I can tell you we never like surprises thrown at us in the cockpit. When we transition as a pilot, when I say we, I mean pilots in general. When pilots transition to a new aircraft, we spend time in the classroom, in ground school, in full motion simulators, or in the air. We learn about the handling techniques of the airplane in slow flight, steep turns, aerodynamic stalls, emergency procedures. We want to know how that plane is going to handle at various speeds, at various altitudes, in various configurations. We don't simply go in the cockpit and say, great, you get to fly this new airplane. Every airplane handles differently. There's different avionics. There's different systems, whether it's fuel, hydraulics, electrical. One plane to the next can be different. That's why most Air, uh, airline pilots that are certified, they only fly one type of aircraft. They don't go from, say, a 787 to flying an Airbus A320 or an A330 interchangeably. They may have moved from one aircraft to the other, but not before they have ground school and they stay on that aircraft. Now, the 737, when it was certified back in the mid-1960s, it was certified as an airplane primarily for the European market. If you look at a Boeing 737, it sits low to the ground. Why is that? Well, it goes back to the original Boeing design. Because back in the mid-60s, there were no jet bridges, jetways. In Europe, it was short hop travel. The initial 737-100 sat, I think, maybe 100, 110 people, smaller aircraft, sat low to the ground so baggage handlers could easily load bags into the aircraft without a conveyor belt or without a ladder. And there was a built-in air stair on the original 737. So as soon as they landed, they opened the door, the air stair came out, or they could roll up an air stair, but there were no jetways. That was over 55 years ago. Since that time, there has been numerous iterations of the 737. The 737-200, the 300, the 400, the 500, the 700, the 800, the 900, 737 MAX. And a number of years ago... Boeing was in a dogfight with Airbus. Airlines needed to replace their airplanes. Many planes were becoming fuel inefficient. They were nearing retirement. And Boeing decided instead of a clean sheet design, they were going to take the 737, stretch the hell out of it, put new engines, re-engineer a few things, and boom, they'd be able to sell it what they sold as a new aircraft when really it was just another reimagined 737. And part of the issue was, in order to get the fuel efficiency, they had to put new big engines on the 737. The 737 was initially not designed for those big engines. So to accommodate the big engines, the fuel-efficient new technology engines, Boeing had to 
raise the fuselage, raise the nose gear by seven to nine inches, and they had to move the engines forward of the wing. Well, when you do that, you change the aerodynamic handling capabilities of the aircraft. Essentially, Boeing designed an inherently unstable aircraft, which required a computerized automated system known as MCAS, the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System. Now, whenever you design an aircraft or an airplane where you need an artificial system to make sure the nose doesn't pitch up too high or too low, you've designed an inherently unstable aircraft. As pilots, we like flying inherently stable aircraft. That when you climb, you descend, it's trimmed in level flight, the plane handles like a dream. The plane that I fly, once I get that into a climb, full power, no problem. I trim that airplane, trim away the, the counter pressures, and that plane will fly without autopilot. It'll climb, it'll descend. It's very stable, inherently stable aircraft. The 737 MAX is inherently unstable aircraft. And Boeing didn't tell the airlines about the MCAS system. And one of the reasons they hid the MCAS system is because the airlines contractually agreed to the airlines that if any of the pilots needed to go into a full motion simulator, Boeing would refund a million dollars cash per plane to the respective airlines. Now, Southwest now has what, I think, what, 35, 40 Boeing 737 Maxes that are sitting on the ground? If it is deemed that the pilots, the FAA says all pilots must transition. Even if you've got a type rating in a 737, the 737 MAX is different. You're going to have to go in the simulator for an hour to learn about the handling characteristic differences. Boeing will have to write a $34 million check to Southwest and every other airline a million dollars per plane. So Boeing hid the MCAS, but now we've got all sorts of other issues that have cropped up. So let me chronologically go through some of these stories. Headline, Boeing 737 MAX's autopilot has problem. European regulators find. System on jet was failing to disengage in certain emergencies. Unclear impact on the cost time for getting model back in the air. So it's not just the MCAS. Now they're finding that the autopilots are not disengaging in certain situations. If they have to, if pilots have to engage the 737 MAX's manual trim wheel, it's very, very difficult for them to manually control the trim to get that airplane to straight and level flight. Software issues due to a lagging microprocessor have been found. Then we see another item. Boeing 737 MAX software outsourced, Boeing 737 MAX software was outsourced to $9 an hour engineers. Now think about this. You are talking about this MCAS software system vital to the safety of this inherently unstable 737 MAX airplane. And what does Boeing want to do to cut costs, which they never did in years past? They were always engineering centric. They never cut costs. They never told engineers to skimp. They never rushed engineers. That's why Boeing was so successful. They were the world's leading aircraft company. No more. They outsourced the software design, the coding, to outside subcontractors, temporary workers making $9 an hour to develop and test the software, often from countries lacking 
a deep background in aerospace, primarily India. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. $9 an hour software engineers overseas instead of Boeing hiring the top and best there are, no matter the cost. Safety is paramount. Boeing sacrificed the safety, as we have seen, as we will see. That is unconscionable. And Boeing, starting with the 787 and now the 737 MAX, they have been on a bid to cut costs. Cut, cut, cut. You cannot cut your way to safety in aviation. You cannot cut your way to profitability. What they did was endanger the lives of passengers and crew. And it gave me great pleasure now because I am so anti-Boeing. Boeing used the Boeing 757 to me was the greatest air. Well, let me go back. The Boeing 727 to this day is still a beautiful aircraft. But the Boeing 757 sports car, beautiful airplane, the way it sits on the ground, comfortable cabin, the avionics, state-of-the-art at the time in the mid-1980s. Boeing was the pride of the world. Now, Boeing had two CEOs whose job is cut, cut, cut. They got rid of great engineers. They look short-term instead of long-term. So you outsource your software for 9 bucks an hour. What are you saving? What did you save by not doing a clean sheet design? It's going to cost Boeing far more than 9 or 10 or $11 billion for a clean sheet new aircraft design than what they spent on the Boeing 737 MAX design. This is from early July. Boeing loses 737 MAX deal to Airbus. Saudi Airline says... It will buy up to 50 Airbus jets worth more than $55 billion. The deal between a discount arm of flag carrier Saudi Arabian Airlines is now going to be buying Airbus A320 planes instead of the 737 MAX. $55 billion, correction, $5.5 billion order. Bye-bye. Gone. Headline, Boeing has so many grounded jets, it's parking them in the employee lot. I'm looking at pictures of the Boeing 737 employing parking lot, employee parking lot. There are 737 Maxes lined up wall to wall. They've got 500 grounded 737 Max jets. They're parking around the world, including 100 in Renton. Here's another headline. From the Wall Street Journal, Boeing plans $5 billion charge to compensate 737 MAX customers. Again, how much is Boeing saving or did save by not doing a clean sheet design? They're not saving squat. It's costing them. They will now pay airlines over $5 billion that have suffered because of the prolonged grounding of the 737 MAX. And that doesn't even include the damage awards they will pay to all the families of the victims and crew. Before we take a short time out. Headline from the Wall Street Journal. Mid-July, head of Boeing's 737 MAX program retires. Eric Lindblad, 34-year veteran of the plane maker, ran embattled unit for less than a year. That is called a scapegoat, my fellow alphas. Instead of going after the CEO of the company and the previous CEO, Instead of going over the people that were in charge of the design, that oversaw the program, they're forcing out the head 
who's only been overseeing the 737 Max for one year. Give him his retirement, keep him silent, and say bye-bye. We got we know a head has to roll. It's not going to be the CEO who's a total schmuck. It's not going to be the previous guys. It's going to be the guy that's only been in there a year who came after the Max was already designed and certified. When we come back, I've got about uh, eight, nine more stories. We'll crank them out as the final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the general each month, delivered straight to your door when you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. For just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm gonna go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I gotta tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. You couldn't attend the 2019 Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show in Las Vegas where the manufacturers all release new cigars. But the good news is you can catch all the new product launches and get the inside look at every manufacturer's booth as I exclusively walk the entire show floor. We visited the Davidoff booth, Drew Estate, Alec Bradley, Gurkha Cigars, CAO, Padron, Casada. We talked to several cigar retailers and I did a huge 45-minute walkthrough from the beginning of the show to the end of the show to give you an inside look where we see all the Cigar Insiders. So go to CigarDave.com and catch my exclusive 2019 Premium Cigar Association convention coverage. You can catch it on the Cigar Dave mobile app, CigarDave.com. Just make sure you catch it. Everything you need to know about the world of cigars, you'll find on my exclusive 2019 PCA coverage. Tom Petty learning to fly. Boeing should go back to learning how to design airplanes that do fly properly. I want to finish up uh, the remaining five minutes or so going through all these headlines of Boeing over the last month. Boeing 737 MAX grounding pushes plane maker to its biggest ever loss. They reported a $3 billion quarterly loss a few weeks ago on two th- reasons. The grounding of the 737 MAX and a delay on their 777X wide-body program because of engine problems. So again, how much is Boeing saving because they didn't do a clean sheet, properly designed replacement airplane for the 737? I'll tell you. 
We're talking about $5 billion uh, in terms of what they're going to pay out to the airlines. $3 billion loss. It's going to just keep mounting and mounting and mounting. Here we go. Here's another one. Man who lost entire family in 737 MAX crash testifies before Congress as Boeing dedicates $50 million towards the victims. Now, they're going to be paying well excess of $50 million, but now all of a sudden, Boeing wakes up when they can't even admit that they were at fault? Here's another one. Boeing burns $1 billion in cash as 737 MAX grounding costs mount. They are uh, burning through cash on a rapid basis. Billion this quarter, be a couple of billion guaranteed next quarter. Boeing is going to go from that shining star on the hill to being an absolute piece of trash at the bottom of the trash bin. Now, lest you think that some of the airlines are not thinking about how they're going to re, uh, reacclimate their consumers, their flying passengers, how they're going to spin the 737 MAX when it is certified, and I hope it's never certified. It shouldn't be. It's a bad aircraft. It's inherently unstable aircraft. Ryanair in Europe, they're already changing the name from 737 MAX and repainting the model name on their existing grounded 737 MAX to 737-8200. You can say anything you want. Call it anything you want. It's still a 737 crap. Another article, New York Times. FAA leaders face scrutiny over Boeing 737 MAX certification. It's now coming out that Boeing, or the FAA, basically acquiesced to almost everything Boeing wanted. They didn't look at, as they were regulating Boeing, but Boeing was a customer. Don't want to piss them off. Wall Street Journal article, regulators found high risk of emergency after first Boeing Max crash. But they did a spreadsheet analysis and figured, well, if we just go ahead and warn pilots and the airlines and tell them they need to be alert to disengage, the MCAS system won't be a problem. I'm sorry, you use a spreadsheet to determine safety of passengers? I don't think so. Here's another headline. New details emerge about Boeing crash. Now they're finding that the autopilot software was likely the cause of two 737 MAX crashes. And they're finding that there is additional issues that are now coming up. In fact, it's not just Boeing, but in the Airbus A350 software, they're now airlines have been told to power down the software every 149 hours or risk partial or total loss of some avionics systems or functions. And now from Southwest, the CEO, Gary Kelly of Southwest Airlines, who every month in the Southwest magazine says, safety is number one here at Southwest, will never sacrifice safety, now comes out saying he doesn't think 737 max simulator time is necessary for pilots, that all they need is maybe an hour of ground instruction or in a classroom. I don't think so. Gary Kelly is lying when he says that Southwest is dedicated to passenger safety, and he proved so by not demanding that every single 737 MAX captain or pilot in the Southwest system go through mandatory simulator instruction in the event something happens with the MCAS system. Folks, I'm so pissed off and ticked off 
about the 737 MAX issue. I have registered avoid737max.com to keep you off that dangerous aircraft. Cigar Dave the General, say Mayor Humidor always be full, Mayor Cutter always be sharp, Mayor Ashby extra, extra long, stay off the 737 MAX forever. It's a garbage airplane.